You are listening to Veterinary Mental Health, Turning the Stethoscope Around, Episode 13, presented by Thoughtful Life Counseling. Welcome to the podcast. I am Taylor Miller, a veterinarian and a licensed professional counseling intern. Mental health and work-life balance are critical issues for veterinary professionals. While not intended as a substitute for individual counseling, this podcast seeks to address many of the mental health concerns common to members of our profession. Hello and welcome. Today we are going to explore our values and how we prioritize them. I looked in a number of different sources and there are all sorts of different ways in which values are defined. It's one of those deceptively simple concepts like love that everybody has an innate understanding of what this means, but it's more difficult to agree on a precise definition. So For the purposes of this podcast and for future reference, the definition that I most appreciate is, your values are the lenses through which you view yourself and your world. As values develop, they are crystallized and prioritized to form a value system. In essence, they form your own personal truth from which self-esteem, fulfillment, and resilience develop. A little lengthy, but I appreciate that it pulls in what values and what having a value system that is established and understood can do for you. And resilience particularly is something that, one, gives us a buffer against the stresses of life, but also allows us to rebound from situations that are more difficult. Think of a well-developed internal value system like a compass. When you're in the middle of a storm, you want a good compass. Clarifying your values also allows you to improve your ability to make decisions as well as create realistic and beneficial goals for yourself. Values are not goals. A goal is something that has a definitive endpoint and can be achieved. A value is more accurately a theme in your life on which you base your goals. While I was sifting through definitions of values, I came across this quote, which I wanted to share with you. If our goals are not well aligned with our values or our sense of self, we are more likely to procrastinate. And that one made me stop and think, and I'm still not sure what I think about it, but this idea that if our goals are not aligned with our values, that we're less likely to act on them makes intuitive sense. But I've always attributed my own habits of procrastination to perfectionism or else poor time management skills. So this is a new arena to think about. So next time you find yourself procrastinating on a particular task, ask yourself, is this task leading me in the direction that my values would take me? And if not, just a point to think about. So acting in a manner that is consistent with your value system is a buffer against stress, improves goal setting, improves decision making, and perhaps even protects us against procrastination. Conversely, acting in a way that is inconsistent with your value system is likely to cause significant distress. And unfortunately, this comes up quite a bit. If your values are in conflict with societal values or societal norms, There's going to be that dissonance that occurs when your values have to be given up in favor of the societal values for a social gathering or a a workplace situation. Work culture can sometimes have a different set of values than you yourself do as a professional. 
And I am going to take a a step back here and say that the values that you have personally may be a slightly different set than those that you have as a professional. And we'll get into that a little bit later. So if your professional values don't line up with your work culture, that can be a source of stress. Consider also that moral fatigue or ethical fatigue, which we will go into in significant detail later, is a situation in which there's dissonance between our professional value system and what we feel we are able to accomplish. And one of the other areas that I think is very significant for us is that inability to find a balance between work and family because there are competing value systems there. The idea that family comes first can be very strong, but also that sense of work ethic and altruism that can make work bleed into our family time. So if you've bought into this idea that values are critical for well-being and understanding your personal and professional values for yourself is critical to your personal and professional well-being, the first step is to clarify those values. Because, like love, not all of us have actually sat down to come up with that definition for ourselves. We may have a general sense of what is consistent with our values and what is not consistent. And if someone throws a value at us, we can say yes or no. But ideally, we should be able to list out our top five values, personal, professional, or some combination thereof. Having a clear sense of your values, as I mentioned before, will allow you to make more decisive decisions with less guilt. Oftentimes that guilt or unease that plagues decisions is the result of being unsure if we are making the right decision. And certainly there are so many different ways to define right decision. But if you have a very, very, very clear idea of what is important to you, and you're making a decision consistent with those values, then not only will you be able to make a decision that is right for you, but you will also be able to explain that decision to others. This can be important, particularly if your decision is not going to be a popular one. Clarifying your values can also give you insight into areas of your life where distress exists, but you might not have a good reason for it. Knowing what your values are and being very clear about them can sometimes show you that areas of distress are moments when you are proceeding in a way that is not consistent with your values. And it can give you a new lens through which to view your relationships. Understanding your own values and thinking about value systems can help you perhaps begin to identify value systems that are different between you and a loved one. Specifically for this podcast and the wellness journey that we are embarking on, clarifying your values will help you with goal setting, both in the creation of good goals for yourself and in the identification of goals that are not consistent with your value system. These goals arise because we are influenced by the value systems around us, both societal value systems as well as the value systems of our loved ones, our colleagues, even our neighbors. They can influence how we take care of a yard, even if we don't actually care if our yard looks good. The last thing that we need to avoid when considering our value systems are things that we wish we could value or want to value, but just don't. A classic example here is physical fitness. Just about everything in society screams that it should be a top priority and a top value for each human. But for some people, it just 
doesn't matter. It's not a priority. It's not something that is a personal value, and you can't make it true if it's not. So how does one clarify their values? The most straightforward manner is essentially a word search. In the handout that I've provided, you'll see several hundred words that represent values that people might describe as important to them. And a lot of them feel similar. However, looking at the distinction between words can sometimes spark or clarify what it is that you do value. Consider the words excellence and achievement. While they may both result from hard work and effort, as values, they do speak to slightly different things. Excellence can be more personal. Achievement implies perhaps recognition or meeting an endpoint or a goal rather than a habit of excellence, which may or may not be praised. Looking at these words, there are, as I mentioned, a number that seem very similar, but being able to feel out which one speaks to you and which doesn't will give you more information on what it is that you're truly after. Your first pass through all of these words, you may have picked out 30 or 40 that you feel generally describe your value system. Do keep in mind that our goal is to winnow this down to five. This is a big task, but feel free to start large. Just pick anything off that page that speaks to you. Next, I find it helpful to categorize the words that I've chosen. For instance, someone might choose compassion, kindness, generosity, and nurture, and all of those have a similar characteristic to them. Among the listed words, it may be difficult to choose one to represent that feeling or that value in your list of values. But perhaps the word caretaking could encompass all of those aspects and more truly represent what the value actually is. If you find yourself having trouble differentiating between characteristics that you think you should value and those that you actually do, or if you're simply overwhelmed by the number of words that you've chosen and you're having trouble winnowing them down, another strategy is to think about people that you admire or those that you consider to be role models. What is it about these individuals that you admire or find yourself resonating with? And that can sometimes help focus you in. The other thing that you can do is take an online assessment. There are a number, and I took several in preparation for this podcast. The one that I appreciated the most was the Life Values Inventory, and I will put the link for that in the notes for this episode as well as on the handout for this episode. It takes about 20 minutes but it walks you through a number of steps meant to elucidate what your values are, how you prioritize them, how they fit into the different roles in your life, and then whether you are acting on them or not acting on them. So it's a very nice assessment that gives you a great deal of information output for a very small amount of time input. The one thing that I didn't like as much is that it has a preset number of values that you work with. The values used are fairly universal values, so the information does feel true when you read your report. But if you want a slightly more precise, personalized version of this value work, starting with a larger number of values as options might be preferable. Once you are done with your personal values and you feel like you have really narrowed it down to those things that are most critical for your happiness in this life, run through that list again 
and think about professional values. And as I mentioned, these can be slightly different. For instance, perhaps appearance in your personal life isn't a big deal, but when you're at work, you have a strong desire to appear professional. Or money, perhaps in your personal life, feeling financially secure is very important, and so finance management is a big deal at home. But at work, you really don't want to think about money. You don't want to talk about estimates. You don't want to think about how much money you're bringing into the clinic. You just don't want it to be a factor. So the way that you think about money is very different at work versus the way you think about money in your personal life. Once we have both our personal values and our professional values outlined, the other thing that can be very instructive is to run through that sheet again and look for those words that pop out at you in a negative way. Which of those words do you feel pressured to embody, either from society, from loved ones, maybe even a value that's left over from childhood, something that you felt pressured as a child to embody? that no one is currently asking of you, but that you've continued to carry with you. And then which ones, which of those values on the list are expressed by loved ones and maybe a source of conflict, something that they value that you really don't, that ends up being a constant source of friction. Looking at those, if there are several that really stand out, it's worth making a list of those and noting them as your your problem values or your conflict values using our mindfulness techniques. So using that ability to notice what's happening in the moment in a non-judgmental manner, maybe start noticing when conflicts arise as a direct result of that conflict of values. When you notice those particular events, check in with yourself. How am I responding? Is what I am responding to actually a conflict situation or is it just a a moment when I can't be on the same wavelength as this other person and I need to step away? Is it worth trying to work through and resolve or is it something that we just need to agree to disagree about? And depending on your relationship with the other person, having a frank discussion about why this is a source of conflict may help the two of you plan out ways to avoid conflict in the future. You may never be able to agree, but if you can find workarounds that will make life more pleasant in this arena for both of you, that would be a huge win. So at this point, you have potentially three lists, personal values, professional values, and problem values or conflict values. And looking at those personal values and professional values, The next thing you can do is step back and look at your life. Are you living or leading a value-driven life? Are your goals and daily priorities in line with those fundamental or core values? And are you able to give the attention to those things that you value on a daily or weekly basis? And it can be very discouraging if you realize that your day is full of getting things done that have nothing to do with what you most value in life. And it's not uncommon for that to happen, particularly if you have just started a new job, if you are working through an emergency situation or a COVID situation, you know, that that plays into this as well. Big eye roll over here in case you can't see me through the microphone. 
If you've had children or you have young children or you have a child who's going through a difficult time in their life and you are investing the majority of your energy in that caretaking role and you're not able to give yourself the solitude perhaps that is a core value or you're not able to express yourself creatively or you don't have the time to volunteer in a way that perhaps is important in fulfilling your core value needs. So it's not uncommon for that to happen, but it is important to recognize when it's happening so that we can limit the duration and the extent of that impact on our values and the way that we would prefer to live our lives. And then what are the barriers that we may discover to having a value-driven life? One barrier in particular that I referenced earlier, that work-life balance barrier, can be huge. And the first step, which we've just taken in finding a better way to balance or to have those two pieces coexist, maybe not be on the opposite ends of a fulcrum, but have them coexist in a way that is fulfilling, is to understand what our value systems are in each aspect of life. So our personal life and our work life, what do we value most? And then how are those values perhaps in conflict with each other? At work, if your values include being hardworking, caring, and responsible, you may find that those end up being in conflict with a personal value system that is about family, friendships, solitude, and a reliable schedule. And if those things are persistently in conflict, we need to find a way to mediate that conflict. And we will discuss that in a later podcast, but having a solid understanding of both sides of the fence is critical before we can start evaluating how to, how to manage that situation. The other thing that we can do with all this information that we've just gleaned is go back to that well-being status report. So two weeks ago, our, our handout from two weeks ago. And look at all of those different categories and consider how your values and your problem values play into your focus in each of those areas. Comparing these two sets of information may give you some insight into either why you're struggling in a particular category or why a category keeps falling off your mental list. May just be because it's not important to you, and that's fine. That's great. But if it's not important to you, maybe don't spend effort trying to make it important for you, unless it's sleep. Again, sleep is very important, and I will keep pushing that agenda. If nothing else, maybe I'll talk enough about sleep that it will put you to sleep. So I can achieve my goal in one of two ways. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you for following me on this wellness journey. I apologize again that my handouts have not been made available. I do have a solution. I have someone who is scheduled to help me. I think it's Friday evening that I have my appointment. So once I have clarified things with this individual, everything should magically appear over the weekend and we will be back on track and all of these things that I've been promising you will suddenly appear. Whether or not you choose to use the handouts I provide, do take some time this coming week to think about your values and how they impact your goals and what goals you have that have not been progressing. Next week, we're going to look at not only what goals we want to set, but how to set them and how to craft goals that will be plans, not just resolutions, as we've discussed before. I look forward to talking to you next week, and until then, take good care of yourself. This has been a Mental Health Moment brought to you by Thoughtful Life Counseling. 
If you found today's episode helpful, please subscribe to the podcast and consider leaving me a review. You can download the handout mentioned in today's episode by visiting my website at thoughtfullifecounseling.com. To have the handouts delivered by email, please sign up to receive my twice-monthly newsletter. If you have topic requests, questions, or comments, please contact me through my website or any one of my social media platforms. Take care of yourself and tune in next week for how to craft workable goals.